If we want the manifest presence, we must be careful that we're not diminishing the move of God in our lives. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp. And today we have part three of Priscilla Shire's message about revival beginning in us. And today she's pointing out how Jesus went private among the people and he wants to be public in our lives. And are we living a life that demonstrates the power of God in our lives? Are we living privately and holding everything in? Are we actually telling others about Jesus and living for Jesus and following Jesus with our whole heart? Here's Priscilla. Because the people of God have gotten so private and so quiet that we are Christians. We're just not public with our Christianity. That the Jesus that people are supposed to see in you, the Jesus that they're supposed to see in me, they are looking, but they just can't find him. He's present. He's just not public. This little portion of scripture bothered me so much because I wanted to figure out what is it that keeps Jesus from being revealed, that keeps the revival from happening? Why is it that Jesus would be um, present amongst the people, but that he wouldn't walk publicly among them? I was really bothered by this, especially since verse 55 says, and I'll just read it to you from John chapter 11. It says that the Passover of the Jews was at hand and many went up to Jerusalem, that's into the city, out of the country where they lived, They went out of the country into the city for this religious festival called Passover. And they were seeking for Jesus. They were saying to each other as they stood in the temple, do you think Jesus is going to come this year? Listen, they went out of the country into the city to Jerusalem for a religious event. They are standing in the temple looking for Jesus. And he's nowhere to be found. They are in the place where if there's any place Jesus is going to be, it's going to be in the temple. And they are looking for him, and they cannot find him. What an indictment against the church of Jesus Christ if when people come through these doors, if they come into this place, they can find programs, and they can find our plans, and they can find great Uh, teaching. They can find great singing. They can find lights and cameras and beautiful stages. They can find everything except the one who will actually change their lives. And there are people who are coming into our churches, y'all, and they're looking for Jesus. They might not even really know how to verbalize what they're after. They just know that there is a void in their lives that needs to be filled. They need something that can quench them at the core of them. And they come in looking, not for our plans and not for our programs. They are looking for the presence of God. The presence of God is what people are seeking. It's what we all need, and these people are looking for Jesus, but Jesus is no longer walking publicly among them. The presence of God, revival, is what people have always been after since the beginning of time. One of my favorite um, uh, Bible study teachers, leaders in my life, her name was Elizabeth Elliot. She died a while back now, but years and years of just faithful service to God. I would read all her books and listen to her on the radio every now and then. She was the kind of speaker or teacher that she was fairly bland. Like there were no jokes. She wasn't going to crack a smile. You know, she wasn't going to try to entertain you. She didn't really care if you liked what she was saying or not. She would just stand up there and literally, y'all, she would just talk. 
just like this for a solid hour. And one time I was in a smaller group with her and she was taking questions. And someone asked her, why is it that in your teaching style I've noticed that you don't feel the need for a whole lot of antidotes or jokes or something like that? You don't seem to need to warm up the crowd. And I remember Miss Elizabeth, she was probably in her late 70s by then. She looked back at the woman who asked the question with a little smile on her face. And she said, well, why would I do that? The people didn't come to see me. They came to see Jesus. <laughs> I said, well, then. <laughs> the reality is they don't need to see you. They need to see Jesus. They don't need to see me, they need Jesus. He's the one that changes lives, y'all. He literally sets people free. He gives people victory. He breaks chains on people's lives. He opens up blinded eyes. He opens up deaf ears. He can change the trajectory of your entire family line. Listen to me, I'm in a family line that has been completely changed. The trajectory of our lives completely transformed because Jesus stepped in and saved my grandfather, saved my father, saved us, changed the trajectory of our lives. There's no telling where I'd be if it were not for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I stand on this platform today not because I'm a preacher, it's because I'm a satisfied customer of the grace and the goodness of God. He's changed my life. He's changed my life. So the people were looking for Jesus and they couldn't find him. And I wanted to know why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he there? Turns out this happens in John chapter 11, right on the heels of him raising Lazarus from the dead. You know the story. He walks in four days after Lazarus has already been dead. Mary and Martha are like, where have you been? Seriously. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. I am the resurrection and the life. I'll take care of this. And he calls Lazarus out of the tomb and he says, loose that man and let him go. Lazarus comes forth in the sighting of many, uh, many people who were gathered that day. Some believe in him. Some are a little critical of him. Because, you know, people always are when Jesus reveals himself. <laughs> And so they go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they have a little word to say about what Jesus is doing out here performing miracles and stuff. And it says that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they convene a council to scrutinize the work of Jesus. Theologian A.W. Tozer says that when Jesus moves, when God moves, when he does stuff that's outside of the box of our comfort zone, there is always one of two responses. The unbelieving person will squat down to their knees only to get a better look so that they can be critical of and scrutinize that which God has done. But the believing person might also drop to their knees, but they will do so only so that they can turn their attention upward with their hands raised and say, thank you. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they drop to their knees to get a closer look to scrutinize. And in their pride and in their arrogance, they say, mm -mm, Jesus is doing too much. We can't let him as if they could control him. We can't let him go on this way because if we do, he will ruin our plans. And so they set out, it says in John eleven fifty three. it says that they make a decision to kill him. 
They decide he needs to be silenced, he needs to be muted, he needs to be squelched. His moves need to be suffocated, asphyxiated, so that they can get a handle on him and make them lessened and diminished. They want to do whatever it is they can to kill the work of God. And so they silence him any way they can. And it says that as a result of their decision, Jesus no longer walked publicly among them. So I want to ask you, is there any way, any part of your life where you know you are silencing, diminishing, minimizing, extinguishing the move of God in your own personal experience? I'm talking about where you've heard the voice of God. You know it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, apologize to that person or give to that person or go there or don't go here, participate in that, don't participate in this, and you just keep silencing it, walking away from it, ignoring it, going the other direction from it, doing everything you can to minimize what you know is the work of God around you. When we decide, and choose individually to kill his work, to smother his work in our life, the scripture says his response is to no longer walk publicly among you. He's present, he's just not public. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can't be unsaved once you've already placed faith in Jesus Christ. You are eternally secure for heaven. You don't have to worry about that. But just because he's present doesn't mean he's public. And he came to be more than just some, uh, 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 the king of kings and lord of lords that lives in you. He wants you to experience him on the outside of you. In the way you think, in the choices that you make, in the decisions uh, that you choose, in the path of your life. He wants you to see him working publicly around you in the diff different experiences of your life. If you, like me, want to experience more than just his omnipresence, if you want his manifest presence, the thing that he came for, then we have to be careful that we're not squelching, diminishing the moves of God in our life. Because in any place in our life where we have determined to kill him, we will see that he no longer walks publicly among us. That was Priscilla Shire, and you can find that entire talk on YouTube if you search under Priscilla Shire, Going Beyond Ministries, Let Revival Begin With Me. You can also find out more information about her at goingbeyond.com. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless. <music>